You're listening to the Two Minute Time Lord. Hi, I'm Chip, and this is 2MTL163, a special time dilation edition. But first, a quick announcement. The Carolina Who Meetup Group in Raleigh, North Carolina, invited me to present to them at their third annual banquet, and I had a load of fun, and I hope they did too, as an audience of uh, 40 to 45 wonderful folks who did not throw any vegetables at me, celery or otherwise. So I hope you enjoy listening to the presentation. It was about 20 minutes or so, and I talked about why I started the Two Minute Time Lord podcast and what it's like coming back to Doctor Who after a long absence, and why I think that Doctor Who is better than Star Trek at being Star Trek. That's towards the end of the presentation. You'll see what I mean. I've given it to you in two different formats. It's tacked on to the end of uh, this brief announcement. So this podcast runs about 20 minutes, 21 minutes or so. And it was recorded with a flip camera, so the audio isn't the greatest in the world, although it'll do. But that's why I would recommend that you actually instead go to my website at twominutetimelord.com slash WP for the blog. And uh, episode 163 has the YouTube of the talk embedded in the blog post. I think you'll like that a little bit better. One last quick point before we get to that. Uh, In my last podcast, some folks thought that I was being just a little bit too harsh on those who would like to wear fezes to Galley 22. Uh, I scripted the whole thing, uh, Shannon's intervention, which some people praise to the skies, uh, she was actually speaking for me as well when uh, she was saying that folks who go to conventions to have a good time should be able to express themselves any way that they want, and I thoroughly agree. In fact, in this uh, speech that I gave to Carolina Who, I made a specific prediction about fezes at Galley 22, and, uh, well, you'll just have to listen to that as well. Anyway, here's the presentation. Look for it on twominutetimelord.com slash WP or do a YouTube search for Carolina Who and you will find it there. Or just stay tuned and you can listen to the audio version. Thanks a lot. How much I'm I'll stand back here. So I'll be out of the line of fire if anybody's really unhappy with me. I'll be a little (laughs) slightly safer distance. Now, I have absolutely nothing informative to say whatsoever. (laughs) I I have nothing educational whatsoever. So uh, about an hour and a half ago, I asked uh, the folks who followed me on Twitter to provide some informative and educational content for you. So I am now going to tell you what they have told me that you should know about Doctor Who. So, there is an asteroid named TARDIS. An asteroid up there between Mars and Jupiter actually has the name TARDIS. The word Dalek is in the Oxford English Dictionary. The BBC did, in fact, buy the copyright to the police box. So, if you ever see a police box, it is the BBC's. It's been taken out of British history. It's now owned by the BBC. (laughs) All doctors have had epic hair in one form or another. (laughs) 
I argued this point with her because I, I don't recall Christopher Eccleston's hair as being particularly epic. And then she said, well, it was epic in its absence. <laughs> Despite only appearing in one televised story, Paul McGann is technically the longest-serving doctor. Peter Purvis was both a random guest star, episode 3, The Empire State Building Guy, and the new companion in The Chase. There are more hours of Doctor Who fan audio podcasts than Doctor Who television stories. <laughs> I'm sorry. Big Finish makes more hours of Doctor Who per year than the BBC. And it won't be long before there's more licensed audio than there is television, doc, televised Doctor Who in history. Wow. And that's about it. There will be no more. You won't learn a damn thing after this. <laughs> um, I'm going to set myself a little timer to make sure that uh, I don't bloviate too much, because as you know from my podcast, uh, I'm all about uh, trying to keep things punctual. Uh, but... I want to say I'm sorry for having been away for, for so long. I am actually a member of this meetup group, uh, and my first meetup experience was, well, I'll get to that in a moment, but um, I first discovered this group by listening to the DWO WhoCast, which at the time was hosted by a British man and an Australian man, and I'm driving down I-40 listening to this British podcast, and then I hear Brad's voice. On the <laughs> and we're, and we're, talking, we're talking serious American brawl after all this British stuff. And, I was like, oh. and he's talking about this meetup group, and I was like, oh, this sounds kind of interesting. That'd be kind of cool. And then he says, Raleigh, North Carolina, I almost drove off the road. <laughs> and so I followed up, I joined, and, uh, and I'm really glad to have had the chance to make some local connections. As much as I love Doctor Who, uh, it was a virtual thing for me, and now it's a local thing, and I appreciate that. And if my work schedule ever lightens up, I hope to. And if you have some more events on the weekends, um, <laughs> I'd love to be part of I'd, I'd love to be part of more of them. Um, I came back to Doctor Who after a very long absence. Uh, I watched it when I was a when I was a teenager, drifted away from it, and then when the revived show came back, I checked out the first episode and I said, "Wow, production values! <laughs> this could be kind of good." You know, there's so much stuff in my childhood that's uh, that I that I love for nostalgic purposes. Uh, any anime people here? Just a couple. Robotech, horrible. If you look at it in the past, if you look at it with modern eyes, it is dreck. But I love the way it, it felt to me at the time when I was a kid, so it stuck with me. Doctor Who's kind of was kind of in that category for me, and I wasn't sure at all whether they'd be able to capture the magic. Or, and I'd seen some of the older stuff and with modern eyes and wasn't so thrilled with it. So remember, end of the world. Remember, towards the end of it, you've got uh, the Doctor and Rose looking at the ruins of Earth. And then he takes her hand and says, let me show you something. The sound of a baby's cry was what sold me on this show. And it's like, not, I didn't realize how much I missed Doctor Who. I didn't realize how good it could be. Uh, and that's... 
and then, then a few episodes later, everybody lives, Rose. Everybody lives. That sealed it. Hardcore fan. Doctor Who magazine. I haven't read a science fiction magazine. Who needs a science fiction magazine? We've got websites. Starlog? That's a pet. And, and, and I'm buying Doctor Who magazine. Um, finding the message boards, the works. And that's how I found podcasts. Um, I was listening to Tech Guy, the, the, to Leo Laporte Tech the podcast, news podcasts, all this stuff. There's got to be a Doctor Who podcast out there. Google, Google, Google. Doctor Who Podshot. I listen to it. That's kind of cool. And then I find the, the DWO Who cast and Radio Free Star and all of these other wonderful podcasts that are out there. There's about 540 now. And, um, and I was really enjoying it. And then I came to the realization that they had two things in common. One of them was that they were pretty harsh on the new series. And I love the new series. And the other thing was their average length of these podcasts is about nine hours long. <laughs> so... But and, and, and it was Radio Free Scarrow that actually spurred me on because they loved uh, they loved Turn Left and then they loved the Stolen Earth and I, I, I was like you know it's finally some podcasters that I'm really that, that are on the same wavelength as me and then they re, then they reviewed Journey's End and I was filled with spite. <laughs> but shiny, happy spite. So I would present to the world a podcast that was actually kind of supportive of most of what Russell T. Davies did. And that's where the Two Minute Time Word podcast came from. And also, I would keep it short because all these people listening to all these long podcasts means that uh, if I wanted to get a word in edgewise, I really needed to make it short so they could add it to their subscription. It, there really are that many people podcasting now. Uh, I was at Gallifrey Convention in Los Angeles, and there were nine of us on the during the, doing the podcast panel. There will be so many more next year that they're not going to be able to do a podcast panel. They won't be able to fit us all on the stage. We'll outnumber the audience. <laughs> but what... What podcasting does for me is it gives me a chance to think about Doctor Who and share stuff about Doctor Who in a participatory way, and it's wonderful. And the fact that anybody can do this, anybody can basically be a publisher, whether a blogger or a whether a, whether a blogger or a podcaster or a videographer, um, that's what separates for me enjoying something and participating and I define fandom as participation if you are here at a meetup you are a fan you're not just an obsessed watcher you're actually giving back you're participating you're integrating you're interacting and that's what I like doing uh, and that's and I've made some incredible friendships both locally and uh, globally through this podcasting thing and it's loads of fun so hit Google Google Doctor Who podcast. You'll get you'll get a long list. There's a site called the Doctor Who Podcasting Alliance that uh, is a pretty much an RSS feed of just about every one of them out there. There's stuff out there that you will hate, and there is stuff out there that you will love because there are so many different opinions and ideas and perspectives on Doctor Who. And I'll talk about that in a second uh, as well. But I got to tell you. There is no better way to be introduced to John Pertwee and to watch The Green Death for the first time than it is a bunch of, than it is to be among a bunch of fellow Doctor Who fans 
laughing your heads off at that god-awful miniatures scene. <laughs> Where the teeny little Bessie is going along with the teeny little maggots and the teeny little driver. It was hysterically bad. <laughs> But at the same time, I had no, I, I, my only experience with John Pertwee had been the five doctors. And you get a take, you, you get a caricature of each of the doctors in that one. But John Pertwee and drag, I never would have thought it. <laughs> John Pertwee is now one of my favorite doctors, thanks to, thanks to the opportunity. I might never have gone out seeking his episodes if it hadn't been for this meetup group. So now I'm truly in the deep end of Doctor Who conventions. I've made some great, I've made some great contacts with uh, writers and producers and actors. I went to a convention in Orlando last week, uh, last year. It, was, it turned out to have been a little troubled, uh, but uh, I met Tony Lee, who writes the current Doctor Who comic book coming out from IDW in the states. Uh, he's just about to finish up writing stories about the 10th Doctor, and he's about to start up a new series with the 11th Doctor. There is a trade paperback called The Forgotten, which is fan service in spades because it is a book that flashes back to every single Doctor, McGann included, and tells a story involving all of them. It's great. I recommend it to you. I also got to meet Toby Haydock. How many of you have heard of Moxie, my Doctor Who star? If you haven't, there's a meetup. <laughs> it's uh, there. It, yeah. there it's coming up. No, we had a meetup. You had one. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I wish I. I wish I you listen to the. You listen to the in a coffee shop. We did it. <laughs> if you haven't heard, if you haven't heard it, get on iTunes. And it's it's not extensive. Get on iTunes or Audible and get Mops Ate by Doctor Who Scarf. It is a fantastic one-person play about growing up, being a Doctor Who fan, and how that actually affects being a father and all this other stuff. You know, it's very touching. And if you have the disposable income and you have the frequent flyer miles, Chicago TARDIS, the convention over Thanksgiving weekend will possibly be the last time he ever produces this play. And seeing it in person, I saw Rob Shearman, the writer of Dalek, first season episode. I saw him shed a manly tear at the end. It is that good. <laughs> I encourage you to go. But that was making these connections to fandom. Instead of just sitting and watching a show, but actually reaching out and finding out more about it, has been incredibly rewarding for me. And it's also taught me a little bit about the amazing diversity of fandom. Uh, when I went to the Gallifrey Convention, cosplayers everywhere. <laughs> loads and loads of stuff. There was a woman there, a young lady, uh, dressed up in a very ornate, Victorian maybe, hoop skirted, I'm not sure, a very ornate dress mimicking the sixth doctor's costume. The same patterns, the same colors, everywhere, just in a dress. Astonishing creativity. I loved it. It was, it was fantastic. I saw... I, I, I've encountered people who are into fanfic, I've encountered costumers, people who make fan films. Doctor Who is fertile, fertile territory for creativity, fan creativity. I love this about, about my fandom. Uh, and Doctor Who did very quickly become my fandom. Um, and I'll really be disappointed 
if there isn't a precision fez and mop drill team <laughs> at the masquerade at the Gallifrey Convention this February. Wait, note taking. <laughs> Somebody's already uh, said, well, you're going to be in it, right? And I said, I'm not going to give up my convention for hours of choreography, but I really want to see somebody else do it. <laughs> that creativity, I think, comes from the fact that Doctor Who is such a unique template for a TV show. It fosters this kind of creativity because Doctor Who can literally be anything and everything. Fandom diversity reflects Doctor Who's diversity. 20 years ago, I could tell you exactly what Doctor Who was. Doctor Who is the story about this youngish blonde guy and his three companions <coughs> running around having adventures that are excessively math-oriented, as with Christopher Bidney um, And that's what Doctor Who was for me. After that, I saw a little bit of Colin Baker. I saw a couple of bootlegs of Sylvester McCoy. I remember at a, at a college fan club meeting, um, you know, Somebody asked me who my favorite doctor was, and I said, said Peter Davison. And this older guy uh, with the most atrocious fake British accent, who had long since graduated from college but was still coming to the meetings, shouts, WIMP! <laughs> was he talking about Davison? Was he talking about me? I didn't know. That was mildly off-putting. And then Doctor Who went away, and I sort of went away. And, but now I've come back, and Doctor Who's bigger than ever. And Doctor Who is this story about this uh, tall, geeky guy with glasses and a long coat who's in love with his companion. No, Doctor Who is this story about this really, really weird guy with arms and legs everywhere and occasionally a fez. No. Doctor Who, everybody has a favorite Doctor. Everybody has a favorite style of story. The Douglas Adams years were nothing like the Philip Hinchcliffe years. And that, I think, is the secret of both Doctor Who's longevity and some of the reason why Doctor Who fans don't always get along very well with each other. Because <laughs> all you need is a blue box and a companion. Patrick Troughton proved this. If it weren't for Patrick Troughton, as the folks on the Doctor Who podcast have said recently in the last couple of weeks, if it weren't for Troughton, Doctor Who would not exist. The show reinvents itself constantly. The show is different. The TV movie was still Doctor Who, even though it was very weird and half-Americanized. <laughs> William Hartnell was going to brain a caveman with a big rock. That's out of character, but it's still Doctor Who. Um, any genre, funny stuff, serious stuff, scary stuff, kid stuff, it's all Doctor Who, and I think that leads to a lot of very interesting fandom fights. <laughs> but it's like when your favorite band starts playing different music, I'm into Celtic rock, I'm into Celtic rock, and when your Celtic rock band starts being less Celtic and more rock, some of the fans get really unhappy. <laughs> when your doctor starts making goo-goo eyes at his companion, some people get pretty unhappy. <laughs> but it's all Doctor Who. And uh, that constant evolution means that this show has been able to last for almost 50 years now. Because it turns itself into whatever it needs to be at the moment to be successful. And when Doctor Who has fallen the furthest off the path, it's when it stopped relating to its audiences and started relating too much to the fans who knew what Doctor Who is supposed to be 
and kept trying to recreate it over and over and over again. So my my argument is that uh, Russell T. Davies' Doctor Who super successful because it captured what it needed to be at the time, and then it was its time to go. And Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who is going to be super successful. It's going to be different, and there are some people who had a that's my timer saying. Wrap it up. Uh, there are going to be some. There are some people who have made a rough transition to uh, the Stephen Moffat time. But as I said a while back, if the show isn't making somebody mad, then the show isn't trying hard enough. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was super into Star Trek. All these people wearing the same uniforms, being terribly nice to each other, very formulaic stories, and the motto, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. It didn't, sh it sure, different skin colors maybe, but that was a pretty bland, homogenous thing. Doctor Who is the true infinite diversity in infinite combinations. You see that in the stories, you see that in the actors, all 11 people who've worn the, well, 12 if you call, or count her, well, 13 if you call, uh, if you count uh, Peter Cushing. Um, Doctor Who continually reinvents itself, and that is why it's going to last for 50 more years. I don't know what format it's going to be in. I mean, uh, right now, web video is taking the world by storm. I'm as into The Guild, which is a quick, quick yeah. and dirty web, web show. How is a big, expensive show like Doctor Who going to compete against little shows sprouting up on the internet here and there? I think it will, because it's Doctor Who. It keeps regenerating. It keeps changing. It's part of a nation's cultural identity. It's part of a, every child's growing up story in Britain, and their parents, and us sad older people who still follow this show, even across the Atlantic, have all been welcomed along for the ride. And I love watching this show. And I love having folks to watch it with. Thanks so much for your time.